Can I speak with Mike? Yeah, this is Mike. Hey, John, thanks for calling in. I appreciate it, man. Hey, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Yourself? Doing good, man. Can't complain. Excited to uh, talk to you today. Going to talk some just basic rock stuff. I want to get your opinion on a couple things, and we'll kind of finish with that. But obviously, got to talk touring, and, and of course, the amazing new album with Projected here, a double album, Ignite My Insanity. I'm loving it, man. So much to digest, so many tunes on here. It's killer. Thank you so much, man. Really appreciate it. And I'm curious, with the lineup of the band and everyone kind of in other projects, you obviously in Seven Dust along with Vinny, and then Scott has Alter Bridge, and Eric's got Tremonti. Uh, curious, I figure you're one way or the other. Either you you guys are emailing riffs back and forth to each other, or do you just like carve out a couple weeks or a month of studio time and then go in there and crank it all out then? We wear Gmail out. <laughs> <laughs> Email central. I mean, it's uh, number one, I've never done a record that's been this expensive, this time consuming. On top of the fact that it was recorded in two different countries, four different states, you know, it's kind of one of those, all right, well, you know, when you find a gap in time, you kind of, you throw a, you know, a pin at it and you go, all right, cool, we're going to do this then. And then, all right, you you wait for your next moment and then we're going to do this then. Um, this was actually pretty much tracked during a uh, Seven Dust album cycle. Wow. Which was pretty unusual. You know, the first record was done on a year off, but this one was like, all right, we had to be very, very strategic about how we pulled this off. You know, and I, I remember hitting Vinny up, and I was like, dude, you can come to my house. You know, you're always welcome, and I love having you here, but we have a lot of days off on a Canadian tour, and... I've got an inbox of the DI and the files and the drives. And he was like, let's do it. So he literally tracked when we were in Canada. E-Rock tracked his vocals at home. Scott tracked all of his drums up at Architect Studios with me in June of 2016. You know, the rest was all kind of filled in in between when we had breaks in the schedule. Literally, it was email central. <laughs> and it must have kind of, in a, in a way, felt like giving birth after so much uh, labor oh, yeah. and hours and putting this thing together for sure and you know you get so far down the process that you kind of you're like in some ways by the time i was finished with it i was like all right i don't don't even want to hear it (laughs) (laughs) i've heard it so many times and so many different versions of it but it was so cool to finally have it come out you know because once we finally signed it um we were pretty much finished in february but we had to kind of keep mums the word for a few months because we you know signed with rat pack and they said look we want to do a proper you know, set up and delivery for this thing. And the hardest thing in the world is going to be to be finished with it finally and not talk about it. Right. So for me, you know, the three months working up before that, I mean, it was just like, oh my God. <laughs> but it didn't leak. I mean, it's like the first time in the last 15 years that I've been in this business that the record did not leak. You know, there were no YouTube leaks, nothing. It, it was crazy. I mean, we actually finally got the release day, you know, or at least video release day, you know, you know, once Reload went live, and I was like, wow, you know, like, nothing's been out there. But yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was definitely uh, just such a relief to, be, to finally get it out there. <laughs> and uh, I imagine it, with, this must be a lot of fun for you, because you obviously get to express yourself musically all the time, but, but lyrically with this band, I imagine that that's kind of a... a a fun outlet for you and a different vehicle for you to express yourself. We all contribute to Seven Dust, but, you know, sometimes we, in Seven Dust, we kind of finish each other's thoughts, you know, so to speak. You know, some will write a bridge, some will write a chorus, some will write a verse. Ooh, 
I got something, you know, for the second verse. I mean, there's always that kind of interjection. But with this, it's a little bit more, you know, private time for the front nine. And then the back nine is when the band really, really, really gets involved. So it's just a different process, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, lyrically, it's it's all on me. The target's on my back. You can't blame anyone else for it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you certainly had a lot of different ideas and thoughts going into it, and it was kind of cool to to read through the lyrics, which I'm so grateful for, the old CD where you can go through the lyrics and, and read all the lyrics and kind of felt like I was learning a little bit more about your personality in, in reading through the lyrics. Oh, that's awesome. Very, very cool, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan. I, I grew up with albums, and we did a couple records where we didn't have the lyrics inside the CD, and I was kind of... You know, a little weirded out by it because I was like, I don't know if that's a cool thing or not a cool thing. I like how people can kind of take things and interpret it, but sometimes, sometimes you really need to see it, how it's printed on the page. Yeah. And even if it's printed on the page in front of you and you're reading it, sometimes it doesn't read the way that people take it. So, you know, for me, it, it, it's always a cool thing where you can at least have an outlet where people can kind of follow through. But I mean, for me, that, that was kind of part of the experience. Part of the reason that, you know, doing a double record, doing something that was this deep and this um, intensive, it's kind of like Christmas morning when, you know, you open up a package and you've got a sticker and a pick. And, the, and I remember opening up Kiss records and getting tattoos and posters and, you know, the Kiss Army order form and, you know, mail this in and you get this and you get a newsletter and you get all this other stuff. And that was kind of part of the process with this. I was like, I missed that. Like, it's very in vogue today to make an EP or a song a month forever, you know, but you never really disappear. You never go away when you do that. I mean, if you stay engaged completely, then you just, you kind of hit a baseline, you know. Mad respect to a band like Metallica who can go, what, eight years without <laughs> yeah. making a record and then finally make a record and have a tour that just killed it. Is just over the top bonkers, hugely successful. I think you still have to unplug occasionally. You know, I mean, it's, it's very easy to get into the fold of what the business model wants. They want new music all the time, you know, every month as, as fast as you can make it. And I'm, I, I'm still one of those guys who grew up in the 70s going, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> There's still something about the mystique and the mystery and the, you know, give it some space. Let it breathe. Let let, let something happen for a minute. Speaking of, of being away from it and, and then into it and, and people connecting with you and, like you said, kind of being able to step away from the scene for a while, are you a big social media guy or are you kind of having to oh, be yeah. with this with this project yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. Um, sort of with Twitter. Um decently with Instagram and I'm a Facebooker. I'm like one of those guys who with, with Twitter, I think my problem with Twitter is I can't get in and out fast enough. <laughs> like the, the character limit. Right. You know what I mean? Like if I'm going to engage with somebody and actually have a conversation and I want to actually go a little bit deeper then Twitter will let me allow. So with Facebook, it's a little bit easier. You know, yeah. because people ask a question, people send me PMs all the time and I answer them. And people are like, is this really gone? I'm like, yeah, no, it's really me. <laughs> you know, that's, that's how I get up. Like, I'm not a morning person by any stretch of the imagination. So I apologize to anyone who I send responses to because I wake up, I grab my phone, I go, all right, if I'm going to be in a weird mood, then let me go ahead and at least re- reply to all of the private messages first. <laughs> let me go through all of my socials. But, yeah, I mean, social media is a uh, – it, it can be – 
the greatest thing ever, but it also can be a curse if you, you know, if you, if you look at it and, and just, like, it's not to be all end all, but it is a tool. I mean, yeah. it's a great tool. I mean, when we, when we launched the first record, I didn't have a Facebook account. Right. And my wife looked at me and she goes, you got to get on Facebook. And I went, really? <laughs> and she goes, yeah, you probably should. You know, I mean, if you're going to have another, you know, project, you know, side project, you should probably get on there and. I was like, do I interact? She goes, well, I don't know about that. And I went, all right, I'm going to make a promise to myself. I'm going to interact with everyone who sends me a PM. Like, sometimes I can't get involved in the actual threads, but if you send me a PM, at least I can give you a thumbs up, thumbs down, yes, no, maybe I'll get to it as fast as I can. And it's it's slightly overwhelming, but it's still cool because, I mean, back in the day, if I could have sent just a message. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Paul Stanley. All right, hey, man. <laughs> what kind of amp did you use on this record? You know, right. I mean, what tuning were you playing in, or what string were you? I mean, for me, I was like, holy crap, man! It's like that would be the coolest thing ever to get a response from somebody. So it, it's kind of weird that I'm in a spot where I'm kind of doing the one thing that I always wish that I could have done. But I love social media. But yes, it, it can get too much, you know, especially with all the politics and all uh, the, you know, yeah. everyone's a racist nowadays, no matter uh. what you do. I know. It's like, it's, holy crap. <laughs> it's ridiculous. That's why I just stick to talking music. You'll never see one yeah, political yeah, yeah. post ever. Mm-hmm. It, we were talking about the, the physical album and, and with the new album projected, Ignite My Insanity. And speaking of it physically, you're also kind of going back and doing another old school thing with the golden ticket on this time. Oh, yeah. Willy Wonka stuff. Yeah, talk <laughs> about that. It's pretty cool, man. Um, you know, Rat Pack. That was kind of one of the reasons that we went with Rat Pack in the first place, is their delivery to the fans. The one thing that we kept hearing from everybody that we talked to is said, look, these guys are great, they're passionate about the music, but they always go a little bit above and beyond when it comes to the special touch of how they're going to deliver the package. You know, I got mine. You know, I mean, they sent me mine. I was like, all right, I got to order one, and I get one. And it was crazy because it was like Christmas morning. You open it, it's red thing and it's got a sticker and it's got the pick and it's got the, the you know all kinds of stuff the VIP I was like how many different things am I getting a look at here but the coolest thing was with the golden ticket we had everything from signed drum heads to you know lyric sheet to a guitar that is still unclaimed it's still out there someone has either got the ticket or the ticket hasn't been claimed yet it's still out um, it, we don't know where they are we know that they're not in the ones that we got personally for ourselves, but we have no idea. And that's the beauty of it. It's like this guitar could actually sit in my house for two years. I mean, I actually might make the next seven us record with this projection guitar. Wow. Yeah, it's a nice <laughs> looking know, guitar. At, at the rate we're going right now, I'm like this thing plays really, really well. So if, if it's not claimed, I'm going to go down, I'm going to track with it. <laughs> wow. But how great to find that golden ticket if you're a fan and, and you get one yeah. that John's actually played on. That's killer. And since you brought it up, let's talk a little bit about Seven Dust. 20 years, man, since the debut album. It's crazy. It's hard to even put it into words. It's like 20 years. You sit there and look at 20 years. It's, you know, roughly half my life. It's such a blessing and a pleasure. And not only 20 years, but 20 years with the same five guys. Yeah. That's, that's the thing that really hits me the most. It's like, I mean, you know, there's like two rats out there. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, there's totally holes of some of these fans out there and the lawsuits and who's doing it. Like, there's none of that with us. I mean, we've literally been doing this for 20 years, and it's the same five dudes that started this. I mean, trust me, we're like brothers. You know, we fight, and, you know, someone's pissed off someone here and there, but. 
we always seem to have each other's back. You know, even Clint left, and when Clint came back, it was like, all right, that had to happen for a reason. In some ways, it was almost like a blessing that it did happen because it made us appreciate what we had as the five of us together so much more once we actually came back in the fold. Yeah. But yeah, that was 2008. Right. <laughs> Even that's been a blur. 10 years looking back <laughs> in the band. And that's what, a lot of people are like, yeah, Clint just came back. I'm like, no, I'm a <laughs> Yeah, it's been a few but since yeah, he's been back. 20 years is nuts, man. 20 years in this business, you know, in any business is, is awesome, but in the music business especially, it's like, wow, man, our fans are the best. You guys did that East Coast run in June, and, and I've got my fingers and toes crossed that there's a West Coast run doing the album in its entirety coming. Man, I wish there was. Oh. I wish it, it, man, the schedule is just not working out right now. We uh, we hit pre-production the first week of October, so we're locked and loaded. Like We've got Elvis for October, November, and then we're mixing in December. And then, you know, once you go past January 1st, all of a sudden it's like, oh, well... You know, it's the 20th anniversary plus a few days and months and weeks, and then it starts to get weird. Like, you kind of need to do the anniversary on the anniversary. Yeah. So, Clint's got commitments with Cedar, and we're just, we're locked and loaded, and we're right in mode right now. I mean, if, you know, if the planets line up and we find a perfect opportunity, of course we would always, you know, entertain the option. But at this point, I just don't think it's going to be able to, you know, be pulled off. Dang it, because I was at the last show, the last L.A. show at, at the Belasco, and I was like, curious, nothing from the first album during that entire set. And I went, oh, they're right. going to do the 20th. They're going to, don't worry, they're going to take care of us. And <laughs> no, then, man, I know, I know. Not happening. So speaking of touring, is Projected ever going to get on the road, or same thing, just too many crazy schedules with everyone in the band? Kind of a question mark. This year, obviously, off here, right near, releasing Projected, Clint's out with, you know, theater. Everyone's kind of off doing their own thing. Next year, you know, we'll be in Pueblo and Seven Dust Mode touring-wise, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I can't be projected as well. I might have to switch the hat, you know, but when you're not in writing mode and you're in touring mode, it's a little bit easier to kind of switch gears between those two. Um, it's a little trickier when you're touring and recording and touring and recording because they're two totally different animals. Yeah, different modes. So, yeah, completely different modes. But the nice thing is um, Tremonti, you know, E-Rock is in Tremonti and is in Projected. He's actually hitting the studio with Elvis. Like, the day we finish mixing 7 Us, they start. Oh, wow. So we're almost going to be on the same schedule. So there's a lot of talk about 7 Us to Tremonti doing some more, you know, road Ooh. work over the next year, year and a half. Ooh. And, you know, I mean, people, yeah, people have thrown it out there. Like, hey, you know, would Projected ever open up that bill? I'm like... Okay, you know, um, maybe. That was my next <laughs> question. Would you ever do double duty? Show, as long as I wasn't stuck in wind, you know, we're halfway through the seven nuts set, yeah, I'd be more than happy to try to pull that off. That'd be killer, man. See you doing double duty like that. Me and Vinny and Iraq. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Hey, so I wanted to talk to you just about some other stuff. I just completed two hours ago, two and a half hours ago, my fantasy football draft. I imagine you're excited for the upcoming football season. Yeah, I am. I mean, I'm still a little, you know, as a Falcons fan, it's like you almost want to forget that football even exists after that. Season. But it's a whole you know, new year. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I think I have more hopes for the Falcons this year than I had last year because last year was kind of one of those, all right, you don't really know what's going to happen. And about halfway through the season, I was like, man, these guys look pretty 
keep it good. Like they're giving up some points, but they're scoring a ton of points. And then to make it to the Super Bowl and to lose like that, though, I was like, the only silver lining is they've lost to arguably what we may consider one of the best teams in the history of the NFL. The dynasty that the Patriots have built. And look, I'm a Jets fan. I'm a Jets and a Falcons fan. So being a Jets fan, you have to hate the Patriots. But I got to give them mad respect. Man. That organization is just second to none. Deflated or non-deflated, he's going to beat you. all right tempered expectations for the nfl season hey you brought up the band earlier and you were talking about metallica you had mentioned and i went to the big summer stadium tour they played at the rose bowl in pasadena it was incredible and it's kind of made me re-fall in love with metallica again and i'm kind of curious and everybody has it but tell me about your metallica moment do you remember that moment when you discovered metallica and kyle sanders he's the best player in hell yeah right and him grew up as middle school buddies. We literally learned our instruments together. Like, I was learning how to play drums and he was learning how to play bass. I think, you know, Last in Line, Dio was like maybe the first song on. Second song was probably Smoke on the Water. Like, you're talking about like version one. Right. We went to a record store. Uh, Turtles. Yeah, it was Turtles. It was Turtles Records which has been gone for a million years. But either way, we walked in there. There were two records. It was We were looking at it, Ride the Lightning and Master of the Coin Toss. Who's going to buy which one? And we were going to basically get them and then put them on a tape and trade. Right. You know, do one of those drills. Did a coin toss. He got Ride the Lightning. I got Master of Puppets. The Master of Puppets, literally, battery was the first thing that I oh. ever heard. Oh, the and masterpiece. Still to this day, i got to be honest, I listen to a lot of music. And I've done a lot of music. But that record, to me, I mean... It's, it's hard to even put into words how much that influenced me. Today, when I play that for, like, new people that haven't ever heard, like, they know who Metallica is. They've heard Enter Sandman. They've heard some of the newer stuff. But to play that intro and, <laughs> and battery for them and to watch their reaction, I'm like, okay, so imagine you're, you know, 14 <laughs> and you're hearing this for the first time. Yep. And you're like, whatever I was doing, start over. You know, Metallica and Pantera were the two bands for me growing up as a kid. Look, Kill 'Em All was great. It was awesome. Ride the Lightning was great. It was awesome. But for whatever reason, they always seemed to take the bar and raise it another six inches, eight inches. Like, mm-hmm. just when you thought it couldn't get any more epic, any more dynamic, any more over the top. And Master of Puppets for me was that one that just went, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Where are we right now? Like, what what just happened? Like, how did you guys go in the studio and just do this? Like, where did that come from? Pantera is my favorite band of all time. But Master of Puppets is my favorite record of all time. It probably always will be. <laughs> I would definitely agree. He'd be like, hey, man, <laughs> I got you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's, that's their epic masterpiece in my book. Like, the flawless that's album it. from start that's to it. finish. Since you mentioned it, what's your favorite Pantera album? Vulgar was the one that just, Oh, man, it was just such a kick in the nuts. Like, I had no idea that was coming. Cowboys from Hell was great. You know, heard Cemetery Gates, heard Domination, all that stuff, and, you know, was like sort of an outlier fan, not really a big fan. Mm-hmm. But the first time I heard Mouth for War, I, I mean, my jaw was on the floor. I was just, I mean, it crushed me. And then I heard the guitar solo. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like the song was so phenomenal. And then the guitar solo was just so ripping your face off. And I went, all right, these guys, no disrespect to Kirk Hammett by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, he's an innovator. He's been doing it a million years. But Dimebag was just, he was on another level. Yeah. You know, and then, of course, you know, corny as, you know, corny as this may sound, a new level, 
<laughs> was the second song on that record. I went, oh my God, they actually defined exactly what I was thinking because I was thinking this is a new level and the second <laughs> song was a new level in a way. All right, this is my record. I mean, I loved Far Beyond. Far Beyond was phenomenal, but it was a little dumbed down on the guitar solos. And I think that was, they've actually talked about it. They, they talked about it in the studio. They said, look, we want less guitar solos on this record. You know, right. a little more in, in the meat, the grooves, and all that stuff. But Vulgar was that that perfect, chaotic, all right, we, we did Cowboys, and now we're going to go in there and just make the heaviest record possible, and we don't care about what's going to happen. No rules, no radio, guitar solo central, bridge central, breakdown central. So for me, that, that was a record that was completely off the chain. That one was like, I don't know how they ever even thought about trying to pop that <laughs> I'm with you though Vulgar numero uno for them and for me and that was my entry into them like I had heard like you know Cowboys and, and Cemetery like you but I got that out and put it on and just you know like the old Memorex commercial my hair was just blown back like oh yeah yeah that's exactly <laughs> how I was I was like deer in the headlights I was frozen in, in time listening to this record going what is happening right now almost the same thing that happened with Master Puppet you know it was like right. alright Wait a minute. They took that art and they refined it. Like they they notched it up a level. But there was something there was something that was so I hate to say this, but in all honesty, I think the the, the thing about Master Puppets that catches me the most is Cliff. Yeah. And that that was the difference from And Justice for All and Master Puppets, you know. Yeah. People ask me all the time, like, Do you like Injustice for All? I'm like, look, sonically I don't like it at all. Everyone can complain about no low end, no bass and all that stuff, but no disrespect to Jason, but there was something epic about what Cliff brought to that band. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the thing that I missed maybe the most. I'm a huge Hetfield fan. Like, Hetfield is my hero. He is the guy who put me where I am right now. He's the guy who made me want to do what I'm doing. Cliff was the guy that I think was the missing link. Like, uh, you know, I, I keep asking, why has Metallica not sounded like Master of Us? Because that was Cliff's last record. Yep. Absolutely. You know, he's, he's the missing link. He's that missing element. And he proves it on that album. Just listen to Orion. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah. but I do love that Robert's at least playing that nowadays and, and totally doing it justice. And they it do give so awesome. a, a little uh, tribute to uh, Cliff during yep. the show. But one more thing I got to get your opinion on. Sure. And then we'll wrap up here. It's talking Metallica, talking the big four, right? We all know the big four, Metallica, mm-hmm. Megadeth, Anthrax, Slayer. So I've been working on the next one the next generation and i've come up with the flannel five <laughs> nirvana pearl jam uh stone temple pilots alice in chains Soundgarden. i don't know how you're gonna do nirvana that's a tough one because there's like i don't know there's i don't know kurt cobain had a thing it was like completely non-skilled like take all the musicianship of it out it was just honor mm-hmm. it was just human Raw. If anything, for me. You know what I mean? Like, he wasn't the best singer. He wasn't the best songwriter, even, by any stretch of the imagination. But he did something that touched onto so many people. I mean, Chris Cornell crushed it six ways from Sunday. But <laughs> the songs that Nirvana wrote, the songs that Kurt wrote were just, you know, I remember I was out of the business. I was actually out of the two songs. I hadn't even thought about writing. And I was on a blind date. I went over to this girl's house to pick her up. And I'm sitting there, and she's, you know, getting her makeup done. And I'm sitting, MTV comes on, and smells like Teen Spirit comes on. And I went, thank 
God, I'm not making music. <laughs> I, I would, I'd have no idea how to even respond to that. It was life-changing. That record was phenomenal. And Soundgarden was one of my favorite bands ever. Alice in Chains, same thing. But there was something about Nirvana that was just like, oh, man, you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it, but guess what? You're going to have to respect this. You're going to have to acknowledge the fact that they took the ball and they ran, and they ran really, really far. They kind of killed the 80s. Yeah, you know, they in a lot of ways, they, they they took all the hair metal and the glam stuff and the poisons and the <laughs> warrants and all those bands. They were done. Oh yeah, that was it. Give me your uh, your favorite Nirvana hit and your deep cut. Man, I'm telling you, it smells like Teen Spirit. I mean, it's like there was something about that song that was it, it was the same thing when I when I first heard Mouthful War and the same thing when I heard <laughs> you know Master Puppets. It was like literally, it just stopped me and I went okay I mean Bleach I love Bleach but there was just something that was so connecting with that song like I didn't know why I loved it I was like I almost hate that I love it <laughs> like it, it bugs me because this is like the, it, this is not Pantera <laughs> right this is not the guitar solo this is not the this is the anti that you know but yeah it smells like Terry Spirit I mean for me that, that was the one that just said okay all right, you made your point. <laughs> you win, hands down. Awesome, man. Well, John, I, I appreciate the time. It, it's it's been a ton of fun talking to you. Sounds good, brother. I appreciate it, man. Have a great Sunday, bro. All right, you too. Later. Thanks.